We've got some interesting things going on in our library uh, recently. We've had some volunteers who are working on some of the things in our library, and we have a bunch of VHS tapes and cassette tapes uh, that we uh, find are, are not really, really being used by our congregation, but some of us may have an old VCR in our homes that we use for our kids or our grandkids. And uh, downstairs in uh, our coffee room, we've got those available on a table. And if you'd like one or two of them, just take them. They're free. And uh, we'd like to offer them to you. And then what is not distributed, then we'll, we'll uh, give them to some appropriate place. Also, I'd like to just remind you of some of the DVDs that are available uh, for us. Um, the Curtises have made these available by their grace. And there's one that tr- struck me, and that's about Noah. And uh, so it's a DVD that talks about the creation and the things that uh, God has done in creation. And so if uh, you're interested, these are free for you to take, and they're over in our library, and we'd encourage you to take them as well. Well, join with me in prayer. Father, now as we continue uh, in our worship, uh, we thank you for the privilege of opening your word together. Speak to our hearts. By your Holy Spirit, um, be our teacher, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I recently read uh, an illustration that applies to the study of our series, The Seven Deadly Sins, and I'd like to uh, make application of this little illustration. The illustration is from the world of health and wellness, and it goes like this. Health is best nourished by growth and proper nourishment, not by fighting disease. Now, the idea behind that statement is that rather than focusing on illnesses and getting vaccinated for every disease that's out there and being obsessed with germs and disease and worrying about getting sick, the best thing for us to do is develop a healthy lifestyle. Uh, my health insurance company offers me a health coach. And uh, I talk with my health coach every month, uh, and I talk about diet as it relates to my blood sugar, and uh, I set goals for my exercise, and, and she reminds me about uh, keeping my eye doctor appointments, going to the dentist, making sure that I have regular labs. And uh, they focus on helping me to live healthy lifestyle, and then at the end of the year, I fill out a health assessment, and they give me 100 bucks. I just bought a new pair of golf shoes. I mean, it's really cool. The idea is, is that they're more concerned about me living a healthy lifestyle than they are about talking to me about all kinds of diseases. Now, we're in the midst of a series on sin. And I fear that some of you might be thinking, man, all this preacher does is talk about sin all the time. But what I want to let you know that my real desire is not just to talk about sin, but to talk about healthy spiritual living. Because you remember that as we apply this uh, principle of a lifestyle of repentance, repentance is recognizing sin and turning from it, but then presenting ourselves to God and then developing and practicing and nurturing a healthy spiritual lifestyle. And as we practice the healthy nurturing of a Christian spiritual lifestyle, we will find ourselves more and more free from the chains of the seven deadly sins. 
And so I'm praying that as we leave on Sunday mornings that we're thinking not so much about sin, but rather about healthy Christian living. And today I want to apply that to the fifth of our seven deadly sins, which is the sin of laziness. Now, you might be asking a question, is laziness really a sin? Come on, you know, is, is that really a sin? Well, let me share some Bible verses with you. James chapter 1, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And then here's one that really gets me. James chapter 4, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, to him it is sin. That might apply to laziness, huh? Matthew 25, but his masters answered him, you wicked and slothful or lazy servant. Not a real good thing for a person who might be lazy. Second Thessalonians, if you don't work, you don't eat. Romans 6, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Work hard. We do not want you to become lazy, the writer of Hebrews says. And then some general principles, Second Timothy, stir up the gift God gave us. Philippians 3, press on to the goal. Ephesians 5, redeem the time. These are all principles from God's word that reinforce the idea that instead of being lazy, we are to take the initiative and make the most of the time that God has given to us. Now, one synonym of laziness might be procrastination. I found some interesting things about procrastination. A procrastinator will say, one of these days I'm going to get help from my procrastination problem. Um, Because procrastination is good because it always gives you something to look forward to. (laughs) If it weren't for the last minute, I wouldn't get anything done, says a procrastinator. Um, here's a model. Never put off till tomorrow what you can do the day after tomorrow. <laughs> That's what a procrastinator says. Hard work pays off later. Laziness pays off now. And I've always been one for being in the moment. <laughs> but like the other areas that we've been discussing, this issue of laziness is an intensely personal issue. It really is personal because there are different personality types. And uh, if you're of a personality type where you're active and you like getting things done, some people call that a type A personality. Um, Man, you're just out there cranking and you're always accomplishing things. But if you're not a type A, that doesn't mean you're lazy. Um, Some personality types are drawn towards having fun and nurturing relationships and, and they'd rather be involved with people and they'd rather nurture friendships and and care about one another. And sometimes they don't get the projects done, but that doesn't mean they're lazy. That's just their personality type. Other personalities have to have everything in order, every I dotted, every T crossed before they'll do anything. But that doesn't mean that they're a lazy person. It's, It's personal. That's a different life for different people. Laziness sets in when a person leans on their personality and makes it an excuse for accomplishing little in life. 
Now, I'm not a detail person. I'm much more of a, of a, a forest guy rather than a tree guy. Um, I love concepts and ideas. That's why I'm drawn to theology and, and uh, why I'm drawn to discussions of leadership and church health in a church rather than specific um, projects. But there are areas in my life and my ministry where I know I would be more effective if I would be better at detail work. And sometimes I just don't do the detail work, quite honestly, because I'm prone to being lazy in those areas. Uh, It would help me if I learned how to do the computer better. (laughs) That's hard for me. And sometimes I just don't do it because I don't want to. I'm lazy. And so I'm, I'm working on that part of my life, and I'm thinking, you know, Scott, it, it's not that I don't ever do any work. It's just that there are some areas in my life where I might have a little tendency to, to be not as productive and might be a little bit more lazy than I should. So let's talk about this profile of laziness from the book of Proverbs. Um, book of Proverbs, chapter 26, has a very interesting paragraph. And uh, from this paragraph, I'd like to draw four principles of what laziness might be. And then I'd like to talk about how to turn from it and then live a healthy lifestyle so that the laziness might be precluded from us in our lives. Proverbs 26, beginning with verse 13. Um, Solomon calls a lazy person a sluggard. Uh, That's kind of a Bible Christianese word. Um, A lazy person says... There's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. Four characteristics of laziness from this passage. First, verse 14, a lazy person falls into the trap, has a hard time beginning. As the door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard in his bed. Maybe you've heard the law of physics. Things that are in motion tend to stay in motion, and things that are at rest stay at rest. Isaac Newton taught that this will happen unless there is some outside force applied to it. And Proverbs says that a lazy person is hinged to his bed unless there is some outside force applied to it. And it's ironic that I'm speaking on laziness today because my alarm went off, as it always does, at 5 o'clock in the morning on Sundays. And I turned it off and rolled over and woke up at 6.30. And I thought, Lord... This, this is just so, <laughs> I, I, I did it today. Um, you need an outside force sometimes, you know, to, to help you get started. You know, if you're, if you're in bed, you know, you need your spouse to lovingly apply pressure to the small of your back with his or her foot and push you out. You just need, you need something to keep you going, starting. Cold of glass of cold water in the face, probably not very loving. Probably the most loving thing is a hot cup of coffee and an opportunity for conversation. But the point is, the first step is always the hardest. And that's what Solomon is saying in this verse. 
When writing a letter or an email or a research paper, what's the hardest letter? What's the hardest sentence? The first one. It's always the first one. I go to the exercise room and I see guys sitting on the exercise machine and they're just sitting there. And I think, get started, get started. I, I'm waiting in line to use the machine, you know, but they're just sitting on there. If they just do the first rep, then they're into it, and then they can do their reps and figure out their exercise. The first line is always the hardest one to do. So for the lazy person, I think inches add up to miles, miles add up to years, and pretty soon our opportunities slip away from us just because we never get started. But easily, um, equally important is they have a hard time finishing. Look at verse 15. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. Now that's a sorry state, isn't it? He sits there looking at his cereal and he's got it in his hand, but he's too lazy to feed himself. Um, Won't finish. The very resource that gives life and preservation is just, just sense, can't seem to get it done. Earlier in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27, whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent will go get precious wealth. Can you imagine getting your limit of walleye on a Canadian walleye fishing trip and not cleaning them for shore lunch, just letting them rot? I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that. You got a project to start, finish the project. When I was in school, I got approval for my doctoral project, and my advisor told me, he said, Now, Scott, you finished all your classwork and you got approval for your your project. Um, This is where most of our students drop out. Because looking at this big thesis or project to do is too much for them, and they don't finish well. And that was a real challenge to me. And I thought, I'm not going to be a, a quitter. I'm going to finish strong. And, I'm, and I got that thing done. And I was able to walk across and get my degree. But one of the characteristics of a godly, mature person is how they finish. Never heard of a serious athlete dropping out of a game. Sorry, coach. I just lost interest. I think I'll, I'll sit the rest of this game out. No. They finish strong. Third, verse 16. A lazy person has a hard time facing reality. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can never, who can answer sensibly. Now, this is a very perceptive verse. A lazy person rationalizes that he knows better than everybody else. Seven experts in the field, seven people who are wise, all tell him what to do. Nah, I know better than all you guys. Um, I'm, I just, I'm not going to listen to you. And a lazy person says, you know, I know better than them. I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. The experts, what do they know? The real problem, I think, is laziness. When offered to be released from this prison, he refuses to admit that there's a problem. He refuses to face reality. 
And then the fourth characteristic from these, verse, these verses is the first one. They have a hard time taking responsibility, verse 13. The sluggard said, there's a lion in the street. There's a lion in the road. How ridiculous. <laughs> there's no lion in the streets of a town. You see, a person who is prone to laziness has always got an excuse. Now, I've said many times, there's a difference between a reason and an excuse. Reasons, okay. Let's think about them. Let's add them up. Let's, let's consider the reasons. But let's not ever allow a reason to be an excuse for unproductivity. A reason is a way that we have to be challenged, but an excuse causes us to flunk out of life. So there's a summary in chapter 24, verses 30 to 34 of the book of Proverbs, of this idea of laziness. Verse 30, I went past the field of a sluggard, a lazy person, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense, Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds, and the stone was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed, and I learned a lesson from what I saw. Listen to what he says. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. A very astute commentator wrote on these verses. The wise man will learn while there is time. He knows that the sluggard is, he uses the word freak. He says the sluggard is no freak. The sluggard is not unusual. The sluggard is not really someone who is all that unique. He says, but as often as not, it's just an ordinary person who has made too many excuses too many refusals, too many postponements. It has all been imperceptible. In other words, it just crept into his life. He didn't really realize he was falling into laziness. It just became a a, a pattern of his life. And it became as pleasing as falling asleep. Now, brothers and sisters, I think this is not something that is a, a big problem, it's the little things in life, the little parts of our life, where we, we just say, ah, I'm just going to let that slide. I'm just going to, I'm not going to be uptight about it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be lazy in this area. Well, if we recognize that in our lives, God tells us to turn from it, present ourselves to God, and work in the opposite direction. And what's the opposite direction? Well, I'd like to suggest that the opposite direction of laziness is living for the glory of God. Living for the glory of God. And I look at 1 Peter chapter 4, and I see some very interesting principles from this verse. I'm going to start with verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 4 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you'd receive to serve others. And that's kind of a call to action, isn't it? Don't just let your gift lay dormant. Use it. 
as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Whatever grace God's given you, use it. Step up to the plate. Get going with it. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Now we're getting serious here. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Notice that phrase I have underlined there. In order that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ To him be the glory. Here Peter is telling us that as faithful stewards of God's gifts, we are to use them for God's glory. The glory of God, making much of God, is that which is our motivation. This means that whatever we do, our goal is to glorify God, to make much of him. The Apostle Paul says, so whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So this means that making much of God, glorifying God, that's our motivation for diligence. That's our motivation for hard work. That's our motivation for sacrifice. The glory of God will get us started when we want to do nothing. The glory of God will keep us in the game when we want to drop out. The glory of God will help us to face the reality without becoming offended or discouraged in the battle. And the glory of God will help us take responsibility and not make excuses and become inactive. God deserves more than laziness. A lazy Christian, in my opinion, is an oxymoron. The two words just should never, ever appear together. Giving our best is what God wants. But folks, it's never legalism. It's never law. It's never obligation. Think with me of an elder who was uh, just elected to the board. And his responsibility is hospital visitation. So someone goes into the hospital and this elder pays a visit to him. And the patient says, wow, thanks for coming to visit me today. And the elder says, well, you know, I just got elected to the board. My responsibility is hospital visitation. And we've got a meeting next week and I'm going to have to give a report. And they're going to ask me if I visited you in the hospital. So here I am. That's, that's terrible. See, that's obligation. That's, that's law. That's not the glory of God. The glory of God would be, hey, thanks for visiting me in the hospital. And the elder says, you know what? We've been praying for you on the elder board, the board meeting. And we're concerned for you. And I'm really excited to come today and and see if I might be of an encouragement to you and to pray for you and see if there's something that we can do to serve you and your family while you're in the hospital. That's the glory of God. That's why we fight laziness. Because God is honored when we serve him out of love for him and for those we serve. I like to suggest that this ethic of the glory of God will keep us working on our marriage when we want to quit. God hates divorce. 
Marriage is a picture of the relationship between Jesus and his church. Wouldn't we want to glorify God by nurturing our marriage? The glory of God keeps us in school. The glory of God keeps us learning. The glory of God keeps us going to seminars. The glory of God keeps us doing continuing education, being lifelong learners. The glory of God gives us perseverance in ministry. And the glory of God motivates us to a lifestyle of repentance, working hard to nurture a healthy spiritual life. And who knows? God may give you a gift certificate. (laughs) So at the end of your year, you may have $100 worth of God's blessings to do whatever you want to do with it because you've been motivated by the glory of God. John R. W. Stott, who was recently deceased, wrote a book called The Preacher's Portrait, Some New Testament Word Studies. Here are some things that he said. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. For the glory of God, love people anyway. If you do good deeds, nobody will notice and you'll just get tired. For the glory of God, do good deeds anyway. If you're successful, you'll win false friends and true enemies. For the glory of God, succeed anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable to criticism. For the glory of God, be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men with the smallest minds. For the glory of God, think big anyway. What you spend your years building may be destroyed overnight. For the glory of God, build anyway. People really need help, but if you help them, they may attack you. For the glory of God, help them anyway. Give the world the best you have, you'll get kicked in the teeth. For the glory of God, give the world the best you have anyway. Dorothy Sayers said this, Laziness is a sin that believes in nothing, cares for nothing, seeks to know nothing, enjoys nothing, finds purpose in nothing, lives for nothing, and remains alive because there's nothing for which it would die. Brothers and sisters, the glory of God is something. Actually, it's more than something. It's the ultimate something. Join me in prayer. Father in heaven, you don't want a church full of workaholics. That's almost as bad as laziness. You want a church full of people that are passionate about honoring you and glorifying you in the way they live. Help us, Lord, to 
to have that perseverance and be motivated with you as the focus of our efforts. May you be the glory forever and ever in our lives. For Jesus' sake, amen.